What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is Monday afternoon. We are getting ready for Monday Night Football. Just reading an article about why there is not a Monday Night Football Week 1 doubleheader. And it's kind of interesting, but there's actually a week two doubleheader, and the games are going to go on at the same time next week. So Ugh. don't, yeah, I don't like that at all. Stupid. And then week three, the Cowboys will be playing Monday night, and they'll be doing it without Dak Prescott. We had a bonus pod earlier today talking about the injury, so please check that out. It was about eight or nine minutes long. Tell you how to value CD Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalton Schultz, etc. Uh, I'm Adam Azer with Dan Schneier and Jacob Gibbs. So today on the Monday show, we'll recap Sunday Night Football. We will give you some injury updates on Chris Godwin, on Keenan Allen, on Elijah Mitchell. Uh, big injuries for the Ravens. Everybody on the Ravens, they they're an ACL tear team. And two guys, two starters tore their ACL yesterday. So we'll tell you about that. And we have our five big topics, plus some advanced stats, some snap shares you need to know about, who's on the field on third down, etc. Okay, Jacob, good afternoon to you. How is week one treating you so far? What uh, what jumped out to you real quick? Uh, week one was kind of a sad week, man. I was so excited for Elijah Moore. And like, I really can't get over just like how, how bad it went for him. Um, it's just kind of clouded everything for me. Um, but I've really been enjoying diving back into everything, uh, getting through all these usage stats. There's some really interesting nuggets that I'm excited to talk about. So I'm doing better. I'm on the rebound, but man, it was tough. <laughs> all right, Schneier. Dan Schneier's here. I'm doing great, Adam. I'm excited about this Monday stream because it's almost like Adam thought about this in his head and was like, I need to find the two biggest football nerds on our staff across the board at Sportsline and CVS. And you got us. And now we're going to do our thing and we're going to do our nerdy football stat thing. And it's perfect for a Monday. So I'm excited for this. As far as how did week one go, couldn't have gone better for me on a personal level with the Giants upsetting the Tennessee Titans, a six and a half point road underdogs, the former one seed of the AFC last year. And from a fantasy standpoint, 
I had a little bit of disappointment, to be honest. I was heavy in on the Trey Lance bandwagon. And I'm not disappointed long-term, Adam, because I think that we can chalk that up in a lot of ways to a sloppy football field. But at the same time, you're hoping for a little bit more from week one when you make that kind of investment in that offense. So I think that scared me a little bit. And on the flip side, I may finally be getting right, getting to have my victory lap, Adam, about Clyde Edwards-Alaire because I was elated with his usage in the first game, specifically in the passing game, like I thought would happen this year with the loss of Tyreek Hill and in the red zone. So a lot to talk about today, and I'm excited to dive into it. All right. I wouldn't be victory lapping too early on on Clyde. (laughs) He didn't exactly have a big workload. He did catch Well, that's because they were up 31-7. to I suppose so, but yeah, obviously they've been a, they were much very much a pass first team, but that he's one of the big topics we'll talk about. He's in one of the five big topics, so we'll get to that. Let's talk Tampa Bay 19 and Dallas 3 and thank you guys for asking. I had a great weekend. I'm doing well. We won was great. Thank <laughs> that you. That was bad of us, Jake. That that, was, that's that was. okay. Tampa Bay 19, Dallas Is 3. conditioning fix? That's the key nope. question for you, Adam. Wednesday, well, getting uh, a new okay. AC. I don't know how you could be having a good day then. But. Four it's going to be 4 weeks on Wednesday and that's when they're coming to install a new air conditioner, Unreal. but it's 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 been pretty rough. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about this game: the Bucks and the Cowboys. Three points for the Cowboys. They lose Dak Prescott for six to eight weeks. I don't want to talk too much about that because I already did a bonus podcast on that. To sum it up, you're not dropping anybody. Not Tony Pollard. Not yet. Uh, I think you. We didn't talk about Gallup, but you could probably drop Gallup. Um, but uh, you know, CD Lamb. I, let's take it week by week. I'm not gonna call him a must start. Maybe in a three receiver league. Uh, but but the, the good news is for the Cowboys is uh, Cooper Rush was great last year. He threw for over 300 yards last year, and his one start was against a terrible defense in the Vikings. Cooper and Lamb both went over 100 yards. So anyway, listen to the bonus pod. Uh, for the Bucks. Chris Godwin's going to miss a few weeks. Good news on Godwin is if you saw his first catch of the game on the little screen, I mean, he looked pretty damn fast. He was playing a pretty decent amount, so... I guess maybe he's healthy from the ACL, but now he's got the hamstring. He's going to miss some time. So how excited, Dan, are you about Julio Jones, who's 66% rostered, and Russell Gage, who is 44% rostered? Jones played 52% of the snaps, Gage 42% of the snaps. Maybe those would have been higher if it had been a competitive game. They were running the ball a lot right. late. But um, the you know how excited are you about those two guys, Gage and Julio? Yeah, I'm very excited about Julio Jones. We discussed pretty much in the last podcast we did together, Adam, which was, I think, a week ago at this point or two weeks ago, week and a half ago. We were both higher than consensus across the board, me and you, on Julio Jones. And everything I expected to see from him in week one, I saw. I even saw a little bit more because they used him on design runs. And that's something that I didn't expect Byron Leftwood should do. But if he's going to do that, too, it's manufacturing more ways to get him the football. I think he can be... It's not going to be exactly as Antonio Brown was last year for the Bucks, especially if Godwin is going to miss time because that's going to put him in a different kind of scenario where he may get more volume, but it may he may get tougher looks. But at the same time, I feel like as for as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be someone you can put in at that flex, and you're going to get potential big games from when the when the Bucks have to pass the football. Jacob, any thoughts on Julio Jones, who had a long catch, showed some speed, ran like over 20 miles per hour. Uh, right. Three catches, 69 yards on only five targets, but Brady only threw 27 pass attempts in this game. Jacob, your thoughts on, on and talk about Gage too. Yeah, I thought it was really exciting what we saw from Julio. Um, he drew a target on 23% of his routes, which is great. Um, that's a lot better than we've seen uh, recently. Uh, and he played 65% of the snaps in the first half that dropped to 35% in the second half because they're blowing them out and they benched a lot of their guys. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's definitely ready to step into a prominent role. 
Um, Gage, I, did he look healthy to you guys? Is that just me? Like he's been banged up and then he just didn't look like the guy we saw last year. I felt exactly. Like. I, the same thing I saw there, Jacob. That's why I'm a little worried on that front. Right. And they, they just have so much depth at receiver and they did show like some willingness to move Julio into the slot. And so it's mm -hmm. possible that maybe that isn't Gage's, you know, role to usurp. Um, and if that's the case, then we might see more Brashad Perryman out there. Um, yeah, I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach with Gage because I didn't feel right about how he looked. Okay, uh, and next week is the Saints, and I'm going to tell you, I, I think Julio Jones is a sleeper next week, if he even could be considered that. Mike Evans, week game after game, year after year, is dreadful against the Saints. For his career, he's played them 15 times. He's averaging 49 yards per game and five touchdown catches in 15 games against the New Orleans Saints. That's regular season stuff, so someone else is going to have to step up. It's kind of been Tom Brady's uh, Achilles heel with the... Buccaneers is the New Orleans Saints. And so if Brady, who only scored 12 points yesterday, struggles against the Saints next week, I'm going to call him a big-time buy low. One last thing I want to point out about this game is no more Bruce Arians here. So Tom Brady, I looked at the last two seasons with Bruce Arians. How many times did they win by 16 or more points? There were 14 games, including the postseason. He averaged 36.4 pass attempts per game when they won by 16 or more points. They won by 16 last night. He threw 27 passes. Leonard Fournette had 21 carries. They ran the ball a lot. This was a different philosophy, and that might hurt Brady a little bit. Yeah. Um, th this was not... I don't think you would have seen this type of finish if Bruce Arians had been coaching, quite honestly. Uh, now, there were some games in there that where he actually... In two of the 14 games, he threw exactly 27 pass attempts. That's what he threw uh, last night. But it is something to keep in mind. Are they going to be a little bit more balanced, a little bit more run-heavy? But he really looked like Tom Brady out there when he was slinging the ball around. All right. Uh, Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. If you like DFS, even if you don't like DFS, get into it. The Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast, it's like free money. These guys are so good at what they do. They're going to win you a lot of money. Uh, that's not a guarantee, by the way. Don't sue me. That's not true. <laughs> but they probably will win you a lot of money. Listen to the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast and... It's going to be live on Tuesdays and Thursdays on the Fantasy Football Today YouTube channel going forward. Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday. You're going to watch that live. Uh, again, that's the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. Tuesday at 6, Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern. That means we got a lot of live streams for you in that YouTube channel. you got to subscribe, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday. All right, guys, let's go through the big news here. So Elijah Mitchell, we, I already mentioned Chris Godwin. Uh, we're going to check on Higgins, Keenan Allen, Dax out six to eight weeks. Mac Jones had back spasms. Najee Harris, not sure what's there yet. But Elijah right. Mitchell's going to miss some time. Uh, Jacob, who's your top waiver wire priority? Is it Jeff Wilson? You got Tyler Boyd. Maybe Julio Jones in shallower leagues. Uh, Jalen Warren for the Steelers. Who are you looking at, Jacob, as a top priority? I think it's Jalen Warren, honestly. Um, I do think what we saw from Wilson, Jeff Wilson was exciting uh, once Elijah Mitchell went down, and it's possible that Mitchell's injury is more serious. Um, so kind of taking a wait-and-see approach. Hope, hope that we get some news on Najee Harris. But Warren played every snap once Harris went down, uh, ran around on every Pittsburgh dropback from that point on, and he was crazy in the preseason. I don't know if you guys really kept up with that much, but he uh, broke like over 50%. Uh, broke a tackle on over 50% of his rushing attempts during the preseason, which was the highest um, among qualified players. So pretty excited for him. Uh, definitely the usage um, in that offense, if he plays a role similar to what we saw in week one um, when Najee went down, he could be a top 20 fantasy back. 
Dan, what do you have to say about the waiver wire? Yeah, I'm also in mostly on Warren this week. I think what it comes down to for me is just the talent level difference. Jacob did a great job breaking it down. I'm looking for yards created before and after contact, specifically after contact is something I think he's going to be able to do with the Steelers. I also feel like that role is a little bit more secure if Najee is to miss around the same amount of time as we're just assuming that for, for the sake of this argument as Mitchell, because we've seen in the past Kyle Shanahan be quick to kind of sh- shift in different type of backs. We know Tyrion Davis-Price was inactive for his first NFL game. I don't expect that could t- to continue if Mitchell is out. And so we could even see some of the guys like Mason and people who they they, they just like during practice shuffling in and out of the game at, at inopportune times from a fantasy standpoint for Jeff Wilson. So Warren's my number one. Like you said, in shallow leagues, if you can get Julio Jones, that should be your top priority as well. And I think, you know, a lot of people slept on it, but Sterling Shepard is going to be the best fantasy receiver to own from the Giants this season. It may not be worth ultimately all that much but as he, in his first game back from Achilles coming playing a lot sooner than anyone expected after not practicing at all with the new offensive season and not getting any of the timing down or the playbook you know the, the repetitions down he scored a touchdown in his first game so I think he's kind of a deeper sleeper I would look at on your wire all right we have much more waiver wire for you on tomorrow's show let's take a look at some snap counts oh by the way I mentioned two two Ravens tore their ACL that'll be left tackle Juwan James Oof. who was, I'm, guess, I'm guessing, was going to play right tackle when Ronnie Stanley came back, but still yep. starting tackle, Juwan James, and cornerback Kyle Fuller, both out for the season with torn ACLs, tough breaks there. There were actually a lot of offensive line injuries. Dallas offensive lineman Connor McGovern's out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. That could just be a really bad offense for a while. I mean, I yep. hope not, but it's scary. Tampa Bay left tackle Donovan Smith. I mean, these are two teams that just did not need more offensive line injuries, Dallas and Tampa Bay, and their star left tackle Donovan Smith left with an injury. I haven't. Have you guys seen anything on Donovan Smith? No update yet on Smith, but Smith was low-key one of the best pass-protecting tackles on an island. If you look at just the stats of when they were left on an island last season, and what that will do to that offensive line is way bigger than any other injury because if they don't have a tackle they can put on the island, that makes all the other positions stress so much more on that offensive line. Uh, TJ Watt on the defensive side, we thought maybe he had a torn pectoral. Uh, there was a report today from CBS, actually, Jonathan Jones, that it might not yep. be a season ender. So we'll keep an eye on that. Tough break for the Eagles. Defensive end Derek Barnett out for the season with a torn ACL. Okay, snap counts and some other stuff. Uh, I got a lot of stuff here. Week one snap counts are always uh, earth-shattering news. So let's see <laughs> what really stood out. Well, How about David Montgomery? This wasn't a snap count thing, but David Montgomery's longest run was three yards. Yikes. Uh, um, Michael Thomas had two touchdowns, and he only played 62% of the snaps. So, Jacob, I think you liked Michael Thomas a lot going into the year, if I recall. And I would say catching two touchdowns, coming alive in the fourth quarter whilst being on a limited snap count, I'd say encouraging start for Thomas. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was an encouraging start for Thomas for sure. Um, I will note that like Jarvis Landry also looked really good and drew targets at a really high rate, which is something we've seen from Jarvis Landry at every stop along the way throughout his career. Um, And so I didn't know what version of Jarvis we were going to get this year. And if this is the Jarvis Landry we get and Chris Alave is as good as everyone thinks he is, um, I just don't know how much there's going to be available, how much upside there really is for Thomas um, in this offense. But as far as just Thomas, what we saw from him in a vacuum, I did do think it was really encouraging. DeAndre Swift had four carries in the fourth quarter. Jamal Williams only had one, which was the second play of the fourth quarter. He had a one-yard touchdown run immediately after a 25-yard catch and run by Swift. 
so my only reason I bring that up is I'm hoping that the Lions said, okay, why don't we stop splitting things 50-50 here and give it to the guy who's really good? And we'll see if that carries over into week two. Uh, Dan, Damian Pierce played 20 snaps. Rex, Rex Burke had played 50. Thoughts? Yeah, this is obviously very disappointing for those who propped Pierce way up their draft boards and spent big capital on him, whether that be in salary cap leagues or fourth round capital I saw in some even expert leagues. I'm not ultimately too surprised by this personally, given the head coach there, Lovey Smith, and his track record with younger rookie players. And just given the state of the Texans, despite the fact that what really surprised me most, I guess, Adam, about this was that the Texans actually had a lead for a good portion of this game. And that was still the outcome from a snap share standpoint. So what's going to happen when they don't have a lead? Because that could make things even more dire for Damian Pierce. He's totally off my start list right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as cutting him, but he would be somebody who I wouldn't want to start right now in leagues. Yeah, but, but this is not atypical for rookie running backs. I, I can't remember if I said this last right. night. I think I did. This happens all the time. It usually takes a few weeks for them, unless they're a first-round pick in the NFL draft, it usually takes a few weeks for them to really claim that job. So hopefully the cream will rise. Hopefully that's Pierce. But right now it's not great. And I also did mention that there's no reason to think he's going to be the third down back. Right? That's right. probably going to be Burkhead for the foreseeable future. Uh, James, Con- Let's look at some third down stuff, uh, Jacob. James Conner played 10 snaps on third down. Eno Benjamin played three. So that was great to see for a Conner manager. It was a bad game for the Cardinals offense, but he was the third down back. Joe Mixon had seven catches, I believe, but he only played four downs on third, four snaps on third down. Samaje Pirine played 12. Antonio Gibson had a bunch of catches, and he only played one snap on third down, and J.D. McKissick uh, played nine. So, Jacob, like I said, uh, James Conner, Samaje Pirine, and J.D. McKissick, they were the third down backs for their respective teams. But in two of those situations was the other guy who had all the catches. So what do you make of that? Yeah, I think uh, it's really important to point this out. Um, I don't think you should overreact to uh, the reception totals for Mixon or Gibson. Mixon particularly, Cincinnati had 90 offensive plays, um, which is the third most of any team in any game since 2000. Um, So like that's obviously unsustainable. And like you said, the usage wasn't there on the passing downs for him, which is what we come to expect at this point. Um, same thing with Tony Gibson, uh, to a lesser extent, obviously fewer plays, but they were just going out of the way to get him the ball on early downs, which, uh, could be a good sign, but it also could be just a random one game thing. Um, and so for when the kids still playing that role, not super intrigued there. James Connor though, um, is definitely worth pointing out. He played 96% of the snaps in the first half and ran around on 15 of 17 dropbacks for Arizona. Like you said, he was playing the long down and distance, uh, snaps as well. And so, before the game was a blowout, they were basically playing James Conner every single play. Um, and if that's the role he's going to play, assuming the Arizona's offense does rebound from what we saw, like that's easily a top 12 fantasy running back yeah. with upside for a lot more. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that when he was playing that role last year, he was the second best running back in football when Chase Edmond was out, was out in fantasy. Adam, football. we knew we were going to regret not getting more shares of Conner. We I both knew it. We finally said it got like him. the day before the season, so he finally got him. Good in for one you. Now, listen, he of course, he didn't have a good game running the ball. And it's right. been a while since he's been an effective running back. So, but I don't, but I just don't see that massive red zone role. Like yeah. They really look to run in the red zone. I just don't see who's taking him off the field on running downs. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, and they might not, not passing downs as Jacob said. Exactly. Uh, Patriots running backs, Damian Harris, 22 snaps Ramondre Stevenson, 14 Ty Montgomery actually had 21 Baltimore running backs. Kenyon Drake had 33 snaps. Justice Hill played 11. Mike Davis played seven. So if mm. Dobbins remains out, 
Kenyon Drake way ahead of Mike Davis, despite being on the team for just a few weeks. Jacksonville running backs, ETN had 36 snaps. Robinson had 34. Did anybody watch Travis Etienne film? I, it was only six touches, but holy cow, he was so good. And Robinson was good too. But ETN could have had a monster game. He had, there were two touchdowns that he could have had. One was overthrown, one he dropped. And in fact, one of his catches, I think it could have been a touchdown, but he kind of fell. I didn't know if the ball was behind him. Uh, I, I was so impressed. If anybody has a chance to watch Travis Etienne's six touches, you should, because I think you'll come away equally as impressed. Um, can anybody trust starting him, though, with that limited work that he got this week? I think with that receiving upside you mentioned, I know it's tough. to It really is dependent on the league. Like if you're in a PPR league, I think he's still worthy of a start given that kind of upside that he put on. Like, look, like you said, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't overthrow him on a routine wheel route there, like that he can't miss, he really surprising to me that Lawrence is missing those kind of throws, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's a touchdown. And the other one, the drop, I'm sure he just wants that back. It's a concentration issue, though. I will say this drops were at times an issue for him in the past. Okay, um, let's see. What else we got? I've got on ETN, I just want to mention that yeah. he only ran a route on 49% of Jacksonville's mm-hmm. dropbacks, which is really not is low. encouraging yeah. at all. Um, sure. And he only left the backfield on 10% of his snaps. And so, like, if they're going to get James Robinson as involved with it, as they did, they really need to get ETN out of the backfield, into the slot, out wide, whatever. Um, and they don't have a ton of, like, super exciting receivers. So I thought they might use it that <laughs> way, but they didn't so if he's not going to be used more creatively it's going to be really tough for him to get there if he's not running more routes Interesting. okay oh man i got a fantasy cops right Uh-oh. here i got <laughs> one of our <laughs> colleagues one of my buddies he put uh, chris godwin on ir a few days ago to pick okay. up somebody and i emailed the commish because the settings said anyone can be, go on ir and i was like all right we can't have this. <laughs> you got to make a rule here. So now it's only people on IR can go on IR. And so my friend just texted me and said, God went out a couple of weeks. Now I can leave him, leave him on IR. I said, no, you no, can't. No, it has to be actual. He's IR. not on IR, dude. <laughs> Travis Kelsey played 64% of the snaps, his fewest since 2017. But don't worry, he played one snap in the fourth quarter in a blowout. Right. He was fine before right. that. People worried about Aaron Jones. Got the... Uh, got shown up in the passing game by A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones ran 28 routes. That was tied for second on the team behind Christian Watson, who ran 29 routes. So Aaron Jones was very involved in the passing game, just didn't get the targets. Traylon Burks, three catches for fifth. So not like, who's who cares about Traylon Burks right now? This is an opportunity. If you like him, if you believe in him, he played 37% of the snaps and still had five targets. Turned that into 55 yards. I mean, this, that's a, what you see from rookie wide receivers. Their snap shares go up. So, I, and not, Burks looked really so good. Yeah, he did, days. right? He looked like the clear cut. This is the only game I've seen twice so far. Obviously, it was the Giants game, but he looks like the clear cut best receiver on the field. Robert Woods did not look to step behind Burks, and there wasn't anything notable in what I saw from Woods that suggests he's going to be the focal point of that offense attack. And the Giants sold out to stop Derrick Henry. I want to make that clear, too. So, there really was opportunities for both these receivers, and Burks was the one who did the most with them. Yeah, but if you're like, oh, he only played 37% of the snaps, I think that's actually an encouraging thing because right. it means it could go up, you know, and it often does go up with rookie wide receivers, especially one who missed time in training camp and whatnot. So keep an eye on that. And the Giants had the second lowest run blocking grade from PFF in week one, and yet Saquon Barkley ran for 164 yards on 18 carries. Tennessee also had the second highest pressure rate behind Washington. So. Giants O-line still sucks. Jaguars offensive <laughs> line was horrible. 
um, as Washington had the highest pressure rate in football. So through you know through the Sunday games, um, and San Francisco had the fewest yards after catch in the NFL mm-hmm. this week. You know before the Monday night game, fifty eight yards after catch for the 49ers. They have led the NFL in yards after catch per catch four straight seasons. So they don't not in total yards after catch because they don't have as many catches, but yards after catch per catch. They've led the NFL four straight years. It, it did not exist in Sunday's game. I guess I would just say, Jacob, you know, people are obviously down on Trey Lance. George Kittle should help him. And the 49ers just weren't really themselves. They need a Snickers. They weren't themselves. I mean, I, on the Sunday. conditions of that game were so it can't be understated at what kind of impact in my mind they had on the passing game. Mm-hmm. And you look at both sides of the ball, neither of those passing games got going at all. Darnell Mooney was non-existent in this game. Cole Komet was non-existent in this game. So I don't want to just use it as an excuse, but I, I kind of do because when I, when you're playing in those conditions, it's really hard to get a passing game going. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. Also the Trey Lance rushed 13 times and like yeah. the volume that we've seen from to this point is NFL career. Like is really Lamar Jackson's the only person that gives you that type of rushing volume. Jalen Hurts, like, I think he's going to get there in fantasy either way. And I think overall, the offense is going to improve for the reasons you guys mentioned. There's a lot of, there's a lot of variance, I think, and just the one, one game thing here. I'm not too worried about it. All right. Every Monday, I ask you for five big topics. You tell me what you want to hear about. We put them on the air if they're good. And, uh, well, they have to make the cut, actually. We only get five, but uh, we appreciate that. So we'll be right back to talk about five big topics from week one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First big topic comes from Al. Which players were you completely wrong about how they'd be used in their offense, Jacob? (laughs) Well, I already mentioned Elijah Moore. um, And I think really what was notable there is Joe Flacco just was not throwing the ball down the field at all. He had the second lowest average depth of target. Um, he funneled like 19 targets to Michael Carter and, uh, Brees Hall combined. <laughs> and Elijah Moore had the, I think fifth highest, uh, average route depth of any player in the NFL in week one. Um, and so if he's getting open super deep down the field, it doesn't really matter because Joe Flacco is not even looking at him. Um, so that was discouraging because I love Elijah Moore. He's a baller. Um, and I think in a better situation, he could be one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, the other guy you mentioned already is Ramondre Stevenson. I really right. was like hopeful that he was going to play a larger role on third downs. Um, but then Ty Montgomery completely dominated the passing down work for New England. Ramondre didn't even crack 30% of the snaps. Like if this is the role for him, he's not a top 36 fantasy running back. And that's so brutal. Like he has so much upside, 
But at this point, it seems to be completely contingent on injuries to running backs in his backfield. Yeah, the Patriots are a really bad fantasy team because yeah. they have too many players. You know, too well, I, you know, you never know who's going to lead the team in receiving. They have two tight ends. <laughs> they just they look like one of the worst fantasy teams. They want, I can't think of a team that has fewer reliable fantasy. I, they have zero reliable fantasy options right now. So I can't think of anyone who has fewer. Anyone else that has zero? Reliable fantasy so. options. I mean, and it, it's hard to imagine things are going to get better with with who they have coordinating that offense. <laughs> it, it can't be. It's, it's the truth, though. Like it can't be overstated what kind of impact it has on a quarterback on a down to down basis and a series series basis when you have Josh McDaniels in your ear correcting your mistakes versus I don't know Joe Judge and and Matt Patricia, whatever the hell they're trying to do there. Uh, which players were you completely wrong about, Dan, about how they'd be used in their offense? A lot. A lot, Adam. So let's start with the one that hurt me the most, Devonta Smith. That was just terrible for me to see because I had a bold take, and it was that the report that Jalen Hurts developed with Devonta Smith last year would play a factor in the season. I'm not giving up after week one, but it looks pretty obvious that they're going to be running that offense in the passing game, at least through AJ Brown. And I should have bought into the narrative when I saw those two go to Disney world together because <laughs> the best friends stick together on the football field. We've seen this in the past with Cooper cup and Matt Stafford. Um, all jokes aside though, I was disappointed there. I was disappointed a little bit with Brandon. Ayuk again, not chalking too much up there because of conditions, but I thought there would be a little bit more of some, rapport there with Lance and Ayuk in the passing game. Similar case for Allen Robinson. I know that Matthew Stafford was like, look, they play chalk it up to look. They played so much zone, but that shouldn't be a thing that holds back Allen Robinson and his skill set from making an impact in PPR league. So that was disappointing. And then obviously on my end, Kadarius Tony, look, he was fully healthy. He looked fully healthy out there and yet no involvement at all really in the passing game. <laughs> what do you play? Seven snaps? Seven Tony? snaps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give him one more week and see if they can get him involved. If the Giants, I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but he, it's obvious that he's one of their most talented players. If you just watched his one end around and then improvising on a play that was supposed to be a pass by Kadarius Tony, he makes guys miss every time he steps on the field. Every time he touches the ball, it's pretty incredible. Uh, so I'd like to see them. They got nothing from their wide receivers outside of that Shepard catch. I'd love to see them play Kadarius Tony, but there's something going on there. So uh, who knows? And I'm giving it one more week. If he's on the bench for another week, then I'm sorry. It's it's time to get dropped. Uh, there were, uh, yeah, a lot of players where the role surprised me. By the way, I just want to talk about Devontae Smith real quick. One mm -hmm. trend that carried over from last year was number one wide receivers dominating Detroit. And not just in a, oh, they're really good and they had good games. But they played, they faced Debo, Devontae Adams twice, Darnell Mooney twice, Justin Jefferson twice, Cooper Cup. Uh, they all had more than 120 yards. Jamar Chase and Christian Kirk had more than 90 yards against Detroit. So these great receivers, they didn't just have good games. They had some of their best games. And A.J. Brown tied a career high but, uh, in yards, I believe, yesterday. But um, one thing that sometimes did happen was T. Higgins had a bad game. Tyler Lockett had a bad game. Marquise Brown had a bad game. Sometimes against Detroit last year, these number one receivers would go bananas and the other guys would suffer from it. And that may have happened to Devontae Smith. Uh, Cordero Patterson, obviously, the, I was shocked. It's career high in carries, career high in rushing yards, 22 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Damian Williams getting hurt in the first quarter certainly contributed to that. Williams had two carries to one for Patterson when Williams got hurt, but that was shocking that he had 120 yards on the Saints. And Chase Edmonds surprised me, guys. The fact that he had 12 carries to only five for Raheem yep. Mostert. Um, 
any anybody have anything insightful to say about the Dolphins running backs? They, their offensive line didn't do very well, and they lost the starter to injury. I don't know how serious it is. They lost one of their tackles, their right tackle. But they ran the ball horribly against the Patriots. But Edmonds was the guy. Yeah, that, uh, on my end, that's a tough team to run the ball against schematically. The Patriots, the way they play that style of defense, it's really set up to funnel everything inside and stop the run. Having said that, I think there was a little bit too much projection from us in the offseason about this Dolphins offensive line. They added a flashy name in Taron Armstead, but this was an offensive line that last season couldn't block anything to the point where they had to fully revamp their system from an offensive standpoint to be the most RPO heavy system you'll ever, the run pass option heavy system you'll ever see. So I don't have too much hope for this line, but I am intrigued by the usage because this is not Kyle Shanahanian exact esque to have one running back dominate the touches here and it's something we saw a little bit of a steady drumbeat for in the preseason with Edmonds kind of potentially maybe having that kind of role so it's something I'll watch because if you do have that role it does make you in my mind a viable option on a weekly basis based on there's not there's just not enough backs with that kind of volume on a weekly basis anything uh, anything to say Jacob about anything that we talked about I was really surprised to see uh, the discrepancy between Edmonds and Mostert for sure, especially because Mostert played 40% of the snaps. Um, so it wasn't like he was drastically out-snapped. He just was drastically out-touched, which I think most people would have expected him to be pretty involved when he's in the game, especially on early downs. But that wasn't the case. Uh, the other thing on Miami's offenses, they were really downfield-oriented in terms of their yeah. routes. Um, and so Jalen Waddle's average route depth was 11.9 yards, which was the second highest among qualified players. Only Brandon Ayuk was higher than him. Um, and last year his average route depth was 6.1 yards. <laughs> so basically half of what he was at in week one, uh, last year, um, 22% of his routes developed 10 or more yards downfield and week one, it was 64% of his routes. So I don't know what to think of that. Waddle has been significantly more um, efficient compared to the league average on short routes. So this might not be a good thing for him. And he was targeted at a lower rate in uh, week one that we have seen, um, typically for him. So I just thought that was really interesting. Both him and uh, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was fourth in average um, route depth. So they were, you know, Miami was running some of the deepest routes of any team in the NFL in week one. But correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, on the flip side of that, while Tyreek was obviously running a, a larger, you know, a higher depth of route, he was also more, the targets were more funneled in his direction. Like they made it a clear effort to get him the For football. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the most interesting takeaways from week one. The new additions, the Devontae Adams, Tariq Hills, mm -hmm. and obviously AJ Brown, who I mentioned earlier, they really these offenses really made an effort to get them the football. All right, Jalen Johnson top five. That's the Twitter handle. It's Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson. Okay. Jalen Johnson top five. I don't know. He's actually a really good corner, so I'd love to see. Sure. Um running backs that get a bulk he wants to talk about running backs that get a bulk of their points in the receiving game. I was underwhelmed by Eckler, ETN, and Aaron Jones, yet Robinson and A.J. Dillon were dominant. Jacob, were you underwhelmed by Austin Eckler? Anything to be concerned about for Eckler? We already talked about ETN. What about Aaron Jones? He only had five carries and three catches. Um, I'm not worried about Aaron Jones. I, I think it's something to possibly be worried about if it you know continues, but um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Aaron Jones. He lined up outside of the backfield on 35% of his snaps, which is by far the highest of any running back in week one. I mean, it's significantly higher than we've seen from Jones in the past. So if that continues, I think that it's possible that they really are going to get him like really involved as a receiver. Um, and we've seen his per route rates are just absolutely absurd with Devontae off the field um, historically, but it's, you know, come on kind of a small sample size. So I didn't know if we could trust it, 
but the usage in week one implies that like they, like you said, he ran, I think the second most routes on the team. Yep. 28 routes. Yeah. Like it seems like they're really going to try to get him involved that way. And if that's the case, that's exciting. Um, I, I don't know what to think about Eckler. I think Austin Eckler kind of has games like this where they don't, um, give him the full workload. It's surprising that it came in week one, but like, yeah, his, his underlying usage metrics were definitely concerning. He had a uh, snap rate was just barely over 50%. Um, yeah, I had 49%. I got was it. it at 49. Yep. Austin Eckler, 49% snap share. Uh, he only ran a route on 13 of 35 dropbacks, which is yeah. horrible. You know how many I catches he had in week one last year? What'd you say? Remember how many catches Eckler had week one right. last year? He had yeah. zero. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. But no, I mean, it's not that that matters. I just thought it was interesting. You know, that just kind of shows you it's one game. I like yeah. that he was still working at the goal line. I don't have, I, I don't know. I don't have any concerns, really. I, like, I would There's trade a, DeAndre Swift for Eckler in a second. Yeah. There's other running backs that I'm more concerned about that we'll get to later. But um, if this continues, it's definitely concerning, especially the route involvement. It has to be higher than that. My my concern, that's what that's what my concern is, Jacob, because I do think that as Herbert evolves as a quarterback from a mental processing standpoint, and he is believed to be the next best guy in that regard, there are going to be fewer targets for the running back. The running back is typically not the 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 first read on any of these plays. He's going to look to th- and the involvement for Gerald Everett, I know it wasn't huge from a like a route share standpoint, but what he was able to do as basically a wide receiver operating in that tight end role, which is a huge element added to that offense. I don't think that's going away, and I don't think that helps Austin Eckler either. Okay, yeah, it was a weird game. I mean, no player had more than four targets on the Chargers. Yeah. That's just so strange. And Keenan Allen was one of those players, and he you know, barely played. He got hurt. I didn't love the Mike down. Williams goose egg. That was another thing I didn't Oof. like from week one. I have so much yeah. Williams shares across the board, so... It wasn't a full goose egg. I I'm trying say to goose egg. find his a dot. The Chargers are the only team that Pro Football Reference hmm. doesn't have stats on. Who's a dot? Mike Williams. Williams. He led the team okay. in routes run. He had thirty-one. Um, his route depth was eight point eight eight. His oh air yards per target. <laughs> his average depth of target was three point well, five yards. Only four targets. What about his route yeah. depth? Basically nine yards. Is that a lot? Is, what is yeah. that? How does that measure? That's up? pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't want him being a, a deep guy, but I don't know if that's, I, I don't know what to make of that. I will say Justin Herbert was pressured at the second highest rate of any quarterback this week. And that sometimes just affects things in a yep. weird way. Mm. All right. Good point. All right. Next topic here. Top big topic. Number three comes from Dan. Who are the best quarterback options for the Trey Lance and Dak Prescott managers? And what players from this weekend um, we should not overreact to regarding their bad performances. So this is uh, two topics in one. Best quarterback options for Lance and Dak owners, managers. I don't think you need to worry about Trey Lance, Lance honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, do, I do. I, okay. I mean, come on. I, I'm not, okay. For Worry might purposes. not be the right word, but do you have to at least have a backup plan? Because he was... He has not been a good thrower of the football. <laughs> let's let's be fair. Yeah, um, I know, but um, I, I agree with you, Adam. But it's like I, it's such a small sample size, at least from what we've seen him with him throwing the football. Right? I know he struggled a little bit in training camp and the joint practices, and then this game. Oh, preseason, he was and, awful. And the preseason, correct? Yeah, except for he got a really nice layered ball on the deep ball touchdown in the preseason. But agreed, it was one throw. 
I think what Jacob's trying to say and what I agree with fully is his rushing floor gives him enough of a floor that I wouldn't worry about benching him because a lot of these guys are going to try to pick up for him. Let's take example Carson Wentz, but a big week one against a defense that's clearly not there yet, transitioning in so many ways from a personnel and schematic standpoint to Jaguars. Well, guess what? Wentz isn't going to get that matchup every week. So where's the floor when Wentz has a more difficult matchup because he doesn't run the football? So no, he needs those but he has now. Detroit this week. I know. I'm not saying, yeah. Right. Course, so you can. So I look. I don't feel great about starting. Would you start Wentz Lance. over Lance this week, Adam? Would Probably. Wow. In I, would six, ne- I couldn't do it with the rushing floor for Lance. Like I couldn't even consider it. I mean, I get it. I, if Kittle plays, it might change things. But I, I guess I'd like to see a little something more from Trey Lance. He, he really struggled, and he was I under agree. pressure. I think a lot too. And that line is mm. not what it used to be. Um. All right. Like you guys. Okay. So you guys are more optimistic on Lance. What if you're the DAC manager? What do you? Where do you turn to? Jameis Winston, seventy-three percent roster. Matt Ryan, seventy-five percent. So that could be tough. But Carson yep. Wentz is twenty-four percent. You know, Fields is sixty-seven percent. Mariota is eighteen percent. He rushed for seventy-two yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, Winston and Mariota were the two I was going to mention. Yeah, um, Washington really was aggressive passing the ball, which was exciting. They um, their dropback rate on first downs was sixty-one percent, which was I think the sixth highest. Um, and so like, it just goes to show that they were being intentional about, you know, moving the ball through the air. Um, I like when teams are being more aggressive on first downs and passing the ball. That could have been the matchup against Jacksonville. who's really easy to pass against. Um, but like you said, we'll have another really good matchup this week. Um, and so when you get the good version of Carson Wentz, it's pretty decent for fantasy and he might have some momentum going here. And then Mariota. Yeah. Just the amount of rushing. Um, he had three red zone rushes as well. Um, the offense looked better than I expected against a really good defense. Um, so I think those are the two that stand out to me. All right. And how about the second part, Dan? Players that we shouldn't overreact to regarding their bad performances. I really think all the players that me and Jacob have mentioned could all qualify for that because you're just, it's it's one week, right? We're, we're making massive overreactions on Allen Robinson types and Devontae Smith types who are just having these, these bottom out games based on one week of usage, which is not enough data. As far as other players, maybe on the flip side of that, that's kind of more interesting to think about, like which players had such a big game and we don't want to overreact to. I got to think a little bit more as, as we go. This is not great. Great airtime. You you know what? You just created the topic. I weren't even ready to talk about it. It's an interesting topic because we already ran over the opposite side. I I could throw Damon Pierce out there if we want to, and then we could just keep going on the bad side. What about the good side though? I'm going to create this topic. Anyone come to either of your guys' mind immediately? Allow me time to brainstorm. Everybody got really excited about Gabe Davis on an yes. island game and everything. Um, and really, his underlying usage wasn't very exciting. Um, I would not overreact to that. But, I mean, if you can sell Gabe Davis based off all the hype that we've had um, and, you know, the island game performance, I think you could do that. Yeah. Um, we could maybe throw A.J. Brown in there based on what Adam said earlier. Nah. That of, no, no, no. I, I would only, <laughs> oh, like, there's not a wide receiver that, that I think you... If Dak didn't get hurt, I would say maybe you you trade AJ Brown for CD Lamb or something like that. You, you know, you could, but obviously that's yeah, off the table. That. So what am I gonna? Do? I'm not gonna trade him for. I, I gotta be honest, Adam. I might be looking at the situation like maybe now is the time to trade CD Lamb before it gets worse because we saw last year how inconsistent it can be to have a guy like DK Metcalf, a super talent, who by the way has proven a lot more from a talent from a production standpoint than Lamb anyway to this part of their career though obviously Lamb was highly drafted. And 
he was not really startable on a weekly basis. He had some blow up weeks there with Geno Smith. He had some good weeks. He had some bad weeks. But every week we were we were getting start sick questions that involved Metcalf and Allen Robinson and those types with a bad quarterback play. So I, I'm to me it might be a time to still bank on that name, C.D. Lamb, and see what you can get for him. I think Kareem Hunt was yep. somebody that no, if you try to one. capitalize yeah. on the touchdowns. Uh, mm. But no, there were nothing that's nothing that's not obvious. Nobody's buying Wentz as <laughs> you know one of the best quarterbacks right. in football. But if they are going to throw the ball more, then maybe he is someone that could be a low end starter. As Jacob was saying, they were intentional with their mm-hmm. passing attack. I I think um, you know McLaurin. I'm not really a big McLaurin guy. Obviously, Samuel's going to be involved. Dotson is a touchdown machine. He was at Penn State, and so far he's got two touchdowns for every game he's played in the NFL. So McLaurin had the bomb, but what did he have? Like five targets or something? I don't remember. Right. But not yeah, not a huge game for McLaurin. So yeah, I, wasn't I think that's big a good. Him. I think that's a great sell, kind of Adam. Yeah, I mean, you got to get something you really like. You sell him for Mike Williams. I do that in a second. Yep. All right, let's yep. go to uh, our next topic from Ian. We got it totally wrong about DJ Moore. Parentheses <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, did we get it totally wrong about DJ Moore again? I think it's way too early for that. Yeah. Um, it's a tough matchup for Baker specifically, yes. but also for Moore. Uh, Cleveland has a good defense, and they play a ton of just like sit-back zone, cover two, cover three, and uh, Baker's been terrible against that um, yep. throughout his career. And also, he really shortens his average up the target um, and doesn't you know, throw to his receivers a lot. But we actually saw him throw to Robbie Anderson a lot, and I think that that is worth pointing out. Um, I don't... I don't know if this is real or not, but Robbie Anderson's splits with and without Sam Darnold are really notable. Um, and even last year, like when a down year for Robbie, he was still 40% more likely to draw target when anyone was a quarterback other than Darnold. <laughs> um, and so like, if that sticks, um, then that changes things a, a little bit. That just changes the projection a little bit compared to what we saw from more last year in terms of his ability to completely dominate the target share. Um, I don't think we got it wrong. I'm not overreacting to one week, but, if it continues and I will be a little bit worried. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to finish it up, but go ahead. I was just going to say Jacob's nailed it from the schematic standpoint. And I think when you have these types of games where the Panthers are just completely outmatched in the trenches here, the Cleveland has an incredible defensive line. Panthers have an evolving, but bad offensive line. We saw it with McCaffrey too. There wasn't much going on with him either. And he's obviously fully healthy. Yeah. Their line got completely dominated. McCaffrey yeah. got hit at or behind the line of scrimmage exactly. on 70% of his rushing attempts, which was you the highest. You can't win football NFL. games like that. You're not going to get a passing game going or a run game going. Last thing I want to say on DJ Moore, they had the ball for 21 minutes and 34 seconds. They ran the fewest plays in football in week one. It is hard to be yep. good in, in those scenarios, yep. and it just it's not going to be that way on a weekly basis. So the, probably the hardest situation for... You know, for DJ Moore that he'll have just, you know, the fewest, I think like 50 plays or something like that in 21 minutes and 34 seconds of possession. Last one comes from Mitch. The Kansas City, Philadelphia, Chargers, and Titans running back rooms. What is going on out there? (laughs) I don't think it's as complicated as you might think, Mitch, but it could look like it from the box score. Kansas City, Philadelphia, the Chargers, and Tennessee. Okay, Derrick Henry's not going to be the third down back. Dontrell Hilliard caught two touchdowns. Derrick Henry's still the focal point of their offense, so don't even worry about that. Buy low. Uh, Eckler, we already talked about. Uh, are you wavering on the buy low on Henry? I am wavering a bit on the buy low for Henry just from watching that game. There are serious issues right now with the Titans' offensive line that Derrick Henry has not experienced at any point in his career. They have a disaster going on in the interior at left guard, and at right tackle, they're trying to play a player who 
had major issues coming into the draft from a developmental maturity standpoint and is just not there at all and was a massive problem for them as well in this game. The Giants are a pretty good defensive line, but they're not some kind of dominant defensive line that should be holding Derrick Henry at 3.9 yards per carry by any means with two linebackers playing for the Giants right now starting that really wouldn't start anywhere else in the NFL. So I am a bit concerned with that by low. Okay, from that's fine. From a usage standpoint, though, I wouldn't worry about the usage. It. Is great. He's going yeah, to get. He's going to be, you know, among the NFL leaders in carries. Uh, Chargers. We already talked about Eagles and Chiefs. So, uh, Jacob, what's your take on the Chiefs' backfield? Mm. Clyde had the two touchdown catches. Pacheco had twelve carries, but almost all of them came in garbage time. Uh, Ten of him of, of his twelve. So, uh, go ahead. Give me your thoughts on that. Uh, before I get to the Chiefs, Hilliard only played 18% of the snaps, mm-hmm. and he ran six total routes. Um, he got two touchdowns on those. Like, he's really nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, that was matchup base because the Giants have no linebackers to cover to cover running backs of the backfield, yeah. so I'm with Jacob on that. Uh, the Chiefs, it's gross. I don't really want any of them um, unless there's an injury. Clyde played 35% of the snaps overall. He only played, and you know, you might think it's a blowout like Travis Kelsey that affected that. He only played 45% of the snaps in the first half, um, identical to Jared McKinnon's snapper in the first half. He ran a route on 10 of 29 dropbacks, um, wasn't out there on clear passing downs. It's the same thing. It's it's what we've seen. That's right, Schneier. Oh, no. Yeah, you better oh, no. slow down on your victory lap, buddy. Oh, no. Can I take one on Barkley at least? Have we gotten to that yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they he looked good when when he got the ball, and they like did a few things to be intentional about getting him the ball. Right. Like it looked better than in past years, but in terms They're of his great. overall underlying usage, not good. Um, and then Pacheco, let's slow down. He had a seven point seven percent snap rate through the first three quarters. <laughs> it all came the blowout. So how are we supposed to value Clyde Edwards Elair? I, I would I would just say hold, buy sell hold. I would just say hold. He's going to be a guy that has some good weeks, some disappointing weeks. Could always try to sell high, but I don't know who's buying. He had so few touches. Uh, right. He's obviously the you know the best running back to to have on that team, but he's a flex. I, to me, he's still a flex. Yeah, is that how you I see think it? Sell him, sell him if you can. I mean, two touchdowns. You might be able to convince someone that his touches were limited because of the blowout, and you can sell yeah. him. I don't know. There's truth to that. His touches were a little bit limited because of the blowout, but you know, um, but but he's Jacob laid it out for you. Not, not yeah, too the much usage isn't great, so. Um, how about Miles Sanders? Hmm. You know, he's clearly the RB one, but they're also, but he's not like, you know, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris RB one. Um, what did you guys think of uh, of the Eagles' backfield? And how like how does Saquon Barkley have the twelfth highest rushing grade from Pro Football Focus? Oh, Travis <laughs> Etienne has the second highest. Okay, I could I could buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I could buy because that. they're just random people grading these games on a subjective arbitrary scale. That's well, that's the, that's the answer to the question. One, two, three, four, five of the guys ahead no of him had, had six yeah, or fewer. Yeah, maybe I should have said that on air. But uh, five of the guys ahead of him had six or fewer carries. <laughs> so that that factors in as well. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, what do you make of the Eagles? How often are they going to be in the? They are in the red zone all game. I mean, they're just control and dominate the line of scrimmage with the best offensive line in football. My friend said it best. They're literally an offensive line factory. They've been churning out elite offensive lines for almost a decade now. Uh, the, the Lions are a team I thought did some things a little bit to help that, to help what should have been helped the defensive front. It didn't show up in that game. So I think that the, there are a lot of options here. Like you could play Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders and you're, and you're not both on the same team. But I mean, if you have either of those two players, you can beat 
excited or at least okay about putting them in a flex weekly on a weekly basis. I think Miles Sanders proved himself though to be the best option there yesterday. Yeah, totally agree. Not super excited about any of them, but I do think um, Sanders and Game will have some flex viability. Mm. Um, Sanders with the potential for more, um, but he really wasn't very involved as a route runner, and uh, that is important because the Eagles were very aggressive in passing the ball. Um, they had such a weird offense. Have you guys dug into that at all in terms Not of yet. like average depth of target and all that? I won't. Um, by far, the lowest average depth of target was Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't have it all in front of me, but like basically, it was the you know, Arizona has been dubbed the horizontal raid. That's basically what it was. Um, and they were very aggressive in dropping back on first down. Um, when the game was close, they were dropping back to pass, um, far more often than we've seen in the past, like last year to close it out when they went really run heavy. So if that's going to persist and Sanders isn't running a lot of routes and Jalen hurts is taking red zone work. Um, I think there's gonna be some pretty disappointing weeks for Sanders. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, that's the thing is, you could be happy about Miles Sanders, but understand there are definitely going to be some pretty disappointing weeks for Miles Sanders, for sure. Yeah. But that goes for just about every player in football. And I think sometimes we get a little caught up in that, oh, he's going to have, you know, he's going to be inconsistent. Yeah, but there are going to be some good weeks, too. And pick the matchups, pick the right spots. The Eagles are going to have an easy schedule because they're in the NFC East. And, they have, and that's not just the divisional. Just the NFC East has the easiest schedules this year. There are going to be some good opportunities for him. I just, I just like that he... Is their, he is their lead running back, and he's so good. I mean, every time he gets extended work, he does something really good. I, I'm, you know, I wish Miles Sanders, maybe I'm just too big of a fan, but I wish he would get his due. And uh, yeah, 4.6 air yards per pass attempt for Jalen Hurts, the lowest in the NFL, just behind Joe Flacco. 6% of Hurts passes traveled 15 or more air yards. 6%. It was the lowest. The league average is 20% last year. Ooh. But Hertz was among the leaders in air yards per pass yeah. last year. He was yeah. he was fourth behind Wilson, Fields, and Jackson. All right. I wonder if there's something to that, like these scrambling quarterbacks throwing it downfield. Because those top four, Wilson, Fields, Jackson, Hertz, you can see them getting out of the pocket. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if there's something to that. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow morning with the waiver wire. We'll see you at 8:30, 8:40 a.m. Eastern time. For Dan and Jacob, I'm Adam. See ya. Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.